Hello. 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 Hi. Hi. How are you? Um, I am okay. My head's been hot trash this week. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. It's been. Um, I mean, it's not okay. It's pretty shitty, but it's been a little better today. Um, so that's a bonus. Yeah, um, something. You get to see Dylan tomorrow. Get to see Dylan tomorrow. We're doing Thanksgiving on Saturday, and yes. that'll be great. It will be great. So good. Yeah, it's gonna be good, and I'm good. excited about it. Yeah, and then my dad is coming into town for like a day um, on Monday, so we're gonna see him on Monday. So that'll be nice too. Good. Yeah. That'll be good. Good days coming soon. Yeah. So, um, how are you? I'm good. I <laughs> I can't remember. I can never remember what I say on the podcast, what I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, like a week or so ago, I was cleaning my ears. <laughs> Did I say this last week? No. Okay. I was cleaning my ears and I was like, I know you're not supposed to use a Q-tip, but like, I'll be really careful and it'll be Also fine. though, sorry, no, finish your story. And then I'll also though. Okay. And so I was like, we'll do it. Blah, 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 blah. I never do it, but I was like, I'm going to do it. And of course I pushed the earwax in too far. And then did you my, go deaf? And my left ear. Yes. <gasps> for about a week and a half. Hang on. Okay. I have so many questions. First of all, how do you clean your ears? If not with a Q-tip warm water, Really? And then what? You just squirt a bunch of warm, warm water in there and you're like, swish it around with your ear? Well, you don't swish your head around like a like a maniac. Okay, not with that attitude, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that'll help your migraine. Um, oh, probably. Just thrash your head back and forth. No, you just like you you spray or squirt a bunch of warm water in there and it softens up the earwax and then you just, you just rinse it out. Does that work? Yeah. I've literally always used a Q-tip. Always. Well, one of these days you're going to go deaf in one of your ears. But anyway, I went deaf in my left ear. <laughs> and it was really frustrating, but fine. I, I bet. And then it started ringing. And it was a constant, high-pitched ringing just always. And apparently that's called tinnitus. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly irritating. Mm-hmm. And the longer it goes on, the more irritating it gets. Mm-hmm. And then when you have rehearsal that's improv based, so all of your responses have to do with what someone just said to you and you don't know what someone just said to you. Fun. Everything goes to chaos real quickly. And so I got some like there's all the like earwax removal stuff at restaurants that are not restaurants. <laughs> 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 Every time I go into a restaurant. And I order earwax removal. They're like, here's a drop. No, I like Walgreens and stuff. It's like these drops that you use and then you're supposed to wash out with warm water. And so I did that for days and nothing changed and nothing got better and it was awful. And so I finally went into a CVS like minute clinic today. And I was like, Paula, listen, I can't listen to you out of this ear. I need you to listen to me, but I cannot hear you. But I cannot respond to you unless I use my (laughs) other ear, which I suppose I could do. Um, And so 
she was like, oh, yeah, you know, happens all the time, blah, 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 blah. Here are the causes and here's what we're going to do to fix it, you know, covering all of her nurse practitioner bases. Um, and she got it out by using warm water, might I add. Okay. Um, and I can finally hear out of both ears again. Congratulations. And I'm so appreciative and I'm so thankful. And I just, uh, it immediately made my day a, me- a million times better. That's, that's what I'm up to over here. I love it. <laughs> Just listening to stuff and turning down the TV and oh my god, turning down the volume on my phone because everything has been at max. <laughs> it's been a week. Wow, <laughs> I love that. I love that hard. Me too. I was like Paula, I could hug you. I won't, but I could. But I could. Wow. That's yeah. great. It's been a it's been a good time, I gotta say. I like that a lot. I'm extremely excited about this week. I'm yeah, me too. Yee. I'm extremely excited about this week. Um so before we kick off, what are you drinking? Oh, you know, my classic, some boxed wine. Look at you. The red blend. Oh. Yeah. So fancy. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one word for it. Yep. Uh, what are you drinking? I heard you crack something open and it sounded oh, crisp. Shit. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. I I couldn't remember because I'm I am so tired. <laughs> so I was literally just thinking like, did I open this before the podcast started? And I was like, I don't I don't know that I did, but apparently no, I did not. It's a white claw. Nice. Fresh picked. Ew. <laughs> From the white claw tree? <laughs> yep, it's right from the vine. Wow. Um, I actually I really like it when I got... you open your white claws and peepers. Okay. And I, yeah, I love it because it's just like it kicks off the, <laughs> the you relaxing and telling a story. Just <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, yeah. Um, I'm currently sitting on what will become Dylan's bed. Dylan and Evan's brother get to sleep on our camp pads. Nice. So we've made him a cozy little nest. And oh my God, do you have I told you about um <laughs> the last time Dylan was here? <laughs> Shit, I wish I had taken a photo, but I don't think that I did. The last time Dylan was here, um both of us came upstairs separately and like peered into the spare room via the stairs. And Dylan was taking a nap, but he was lying flat on the ground face down <laughs> with his arms at his side and like palms at the ceiling, like just totally flat. He was planking, but he was asleep, like nose pressed <laughs> into the, it was hilarious. And both of us were like, what the fuck? Like that's how dentists hibernate. Oh my God. It was the most confirmation <laughs> that I've ever had that Dylan might be a murderer. Like it's ever <laughs> in my life. I was like, no person sleeps like this. Oh, it was awesome. Such an uncomfortable and yet the funniest mental image I've ever had. It was amazing. And then he like, he like woke up and came downstairs and both of us immediately, we were like sitting on the couch and he like walks downstairs and both of us were like, what the fuck? Why were you sleeping like that? (laughs) How do you, and he was like, this is just how I sleep. We were like, you, that. We lived with him. How did we not know that? God, I don't know. I'm like, I lived with you for so many years. Oh my God. It was awful. It was 
yeah, it was terrible. But it's really uncomfortable. I'm very excited for him to be back. I'm um, so mm-hmm. here's the deal. I'm almost a thousand percent sure that I'm going to go first this year. Okay. This whole this year? year? This, whole, do this whole year. This whole year. I'm excited I'm, to go second for a very long time. I'm starting it early. We're not even in 2020 yet. And uh, I'm calling it. It's going to be Tamiris from here on out. <laughs> Tamiris as far so as the eye okay can see. That. Even if you told me the story of Tamiris every week for the rest of 2020, I'd be so stoked about that. Honestly, like maybe this just becomes a Tamiris podcast. Oh, I'm okay with that. You know? So, Reagan, what year was your babe born? Well, Taylor, I'll tell you. Uh, my babe was born in 1865. I was right. I'm going first. By <sighs> a lot. By a lot. It's okay. I've gone first for the last like few weeks, so I'm ready to I'm ready to sit back and relax on this one. Reagan, Taylor, have you ever heard of Grace O'Malley, the pirate queen of Ireland? Oh, my girl, yes. Because she's on my list, and I love her to death, and damn it, now I'm going to have to take her off my list, and you beat me to her. But, oh, it's such a good story, and I'm so excited. Damn it! it no, 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 I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked. Oh, I'm my so God, stoked. I was really hoping that you'd never heard of her. Okay. Um, Are you kid- I wrote a disclaimer on here that I I might be in love with this woman. Oh, 100%. And by might be, I mean, I wish that I could go back in time and marry her and then bring her back to current day and be like, Evan, guess what? Good news. You're a sister husband now. <laughs> Sorry about it. Oh, no, I, I 1 million percent understand because she is so dope. And oh, my God. I didn't like do the deep dive. For oh, great. Podcast, so I'm excited for you to tell me like the, the, the stuff. Good. And things. Okay, great. All right. So, yeah. Grace O'Malley. She yeah. has a beautiful Gaelic name, but I'm going to call her Grace O'Malley. Yeah. She was born 1530 to Owen O'Malley. He was a wealthy head of the O'Malley clan. Um, they were kind of the rulers of what becomes Mayo County. So it's actually called Umhall Co. Mayo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so they're kind of the rulers. The family has um, gained their wealth through some legit trade with France and Spain, but like also a little a little dollop of piracy. So um, <laughs> as per usual, yeah, just a little, little dash of piracy um, as per usual, which I re- spelled U-J-E for sure, as we have agreed, you know. Um, her family wants her to stay home and become a lady, but instead she's like, Ew. fuck that shit. I'm going to be a sailor. <laughs> so yes. as soon as her dad dies, she becomes the queen of the O'Malley clan and was able to pretty successfully navigate politically and um, formed alliances like all over the place. She was super popular and also pretty good at getting people to be on her side because she wasn't like a barbaric pirate or anything. Like she's just, you know, just a cool lady. So cool pirate. So she was married to Donal, Donal, D-O-N-A-L. Irish name. Yeah. (laughs) A beautiful Irish way of saying this. Um, She was married to him. He, he, 
his full name is Donal of the Battles of Flaherty. It's extremely Irish. Um, she and was boy, married in. Do you sound Irish when you say it. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. Um, so she was married in 1546. So she was 16. Cool, 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 cool. Everything that I read pointed out that it was a quote politically motivated marriage. Oof. So like you know, they were really happy. Yeah, in, and in love. love. Bliss um, abounded. Every article also, though, pointed out that um, usually a marriage for status benefited the dude, but Grace was like, nah. So she super used it to her advantage, which comes up, spoiler alert, a couple of times in this story. Amazing. <laughs> um, so she has three kids with this guy. Owen is the first, Murrah is the second, and then she has a daughter, Margaret. Um, in 1554, Donal is killed in a dispute with another clan. Because mm. of that, she inherits everything, which includes his fighting ships and his castle. So, yeah. Cool so she's shit. queen of her clan. Yeah. And runs. Okay. Yeah. Yes. All correct. It, I think. I think technically his sons, their sons, were in charge, but they were literal babies. So. Right. You know. She was in charge. Um. At this time, by the way, side note, she's only 23. <laughs> yes, girl. So casual. Um, she goes back to ruling. She goes, sorry, she goes back to her original home, which is Umhole Comeo. Mm-hmm. And she starts a super successful run of ruling and, quote, maintenance by land and sea. She uses her dad's ships. She's got her own private army. People are, like, starting to know about how basically fucking cool she is like like word is kind of spreading of like oh yeah this chick like rules everything and she's like pretty cool maybe we go fight for her so she rescues a guy i found literally one reference to this guy and i wish that there were entire movies about this part of the story she rescues some guy named hugh delancey Mm -hmm. and they start boning yeah and then he's killed Oh. And then because of that, she goes and like wrecks the McMahon clan because they're the ones that <laughs> killed him. Like, she's just like, excuse me. So she just goes over there. Um, in 1566, so she's 36 at this time, she realizes that the English are getting pretty pushy um, and like starting to encroach on her area. So they seem to do that. You know. You know. All time. And then, you know, the Americans took the torch. Yeah. You know. It's cool. It's all cool. It's It's all very, very cool People love it when other people are pushy on their lands. Oh, my God. They love it so much. They love it. They won't stop talking about it. No. So um, she's like, okay, listen up, you guys. We got to do something about these English folks. So she starts strategizing. She realizes that... The best way to to attack this is to marry again. So she marries a guy named Richard in Iron Burke, which is the coolest name. Also very Um, English. We took a turn. Yeah, but he's Irish. (laughs) What? Yeah, he's Irish. Okay. He's got a castle. It's called Rockfleet. 
Remember this. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, remember this. Rockfleet comes up over and over. Um, She had, so when she went back to um, Umhal Komeo, she was staying at um, her castle, which was, it's it's called Clare Island is what they call it. Um, So once she marries Richard and Iron, she's like, okay, well, Rockfleet is like a little bit further inland. It's like, I mean, not inland, but it's like inside a bay. So it's a little bit more secure. So they're not just constantly getting like waves of English attacking them. Mm-hmm. So she moves in to Rockfleet. Once she moves in, she divorces him and takes control of it, <laughs> which like <laughs> queen. Amazing. Seriously. Amazing. But then she's like such a cool lady that they like stay pals. So like Richard stays there <laughs> He's like, cool and move, like is cool allies move. with her. <laughs> so like. They like he's this this is he's not out of the story yet. They're still like hanging out. So I'm kind of impressed. Dude, oh my god. I'm telling you, like oh my god. Evan could totally be a sister husband. It'd be fine. He'd It'd be, be fine. fine He'd be fine with it. So now at this point, she's at Rockfleet. She's got all of the ships and army from her dad, from her first husband. From Richard and Iron, she's loaded. She's full-blown pirate queen. Yeah, she is. Because of the placement of Rockfleet, it was right at the mouth of a bay. So to get down south to Galway, she would basically block off the bay. She would board any ships that tried to pass through. She would demand payment in exchange for basically like not being murdered on their way south. And then they would go on their way and Grace would have more more shit. Then so this is kind of where like things break off and it becomes just a series of like legends about Grace. So who knows how many of them are accurate, but um, they're all pretty great. (laughs) So. She, in 1567, her son Theobald is born on board a ship. Amazing. Uh, Fucking the next day, the ship gets under attack by Barbary pirates. She, this woman, gave birth the day before. She leaps out of bed. She runs up to the deck to join the fight. She's got two guns in each hand. Nope, she's got one gun I in each like, hand. I was like, wait, how? <laughs> two guns total. How many fingers does Grace O'Malley have? <laughs> she's, she's, she's wielding these two, a like... gun in each foot. Two in each <laughs> She is an octopus. She is a machine gun human. <laughs> <laughs> she... Is like wielding these two. They have some adorable, like old timey name called like they're called like blunderbusses or something. <laughs> but they're basically like fancy pistols, right? She like rolls up to the deck. The pirates are like confused. There's like two or three officers on on board the ship I, at this point. I bet they were confused by this fucking crazy lady comes like <laughs> rolling out with these guns, and she's like excuse you, this is my ship. And they're like all confused. She says to them, quote, take this load from unconsecrated hands and shoots all of them dead. Yep. Wow. Yep. So then after seeing that, the rest of the pirate crew is like, what the fuck? 
and they're so like distraught after seeing this that they were in, it was an easy fight and grace then takes their ships they attacked her and she took their ships oh my i'm also God. kind of picturing her gun in each hand fresh baby on her hip gun in each of the baby's hands <laughs> like and they're this just like broad Oh my God. I'm so obsessed. I was like uh, researching this and just like laughing, just picturing all of this. Oh my God. So, okay. So like we talked about, despite having divorced Richard and taking control of his castle and his ships and his army, they're still cool. So, so once the two of them realize that the British are like super encroaching, she goes back to Rockfleet to kind of hole up so that they can kind of have a unified front and defend themselves against the British. 1571, she helps Richard get named the elected successor to Mayo County. Um, so there's like a current guy that's, that's the <sighs> shit. I didn't write it down, but there's, In there's, charge. yeah. Yeah. There's like a name for what his title was. And um, Grace basically like convinced convinces this guy like hey Richard should maybe be next in line and this guy's like all right <laughs> so then who's gonna current, say no to her <laughs> yeah honestly like everybody's just like okay this lady seems pretty cool plus yeah, like plus she's gonna baby with she's two guns gonna have a child and then like <laughs> shoot me in the face so you know probably have to say yes um so then after making this deal the guy that was currently in charge submits to the queen, which puts Richard's succession into doubt. So then the next like 20 years are filled with so much political drama. Like I started writing it down and then my like notepad thing got so huge. And I was like, okay, just, just know that a lot of shit happens. Like at one point, Grace gets thrown in jail because she attacks the, she attacks Desmond and then the Earl of Desmond throws her in jail, which like understandable. Sure. That's fair. Richard then gets all of his shit together and he rises up to go save her. The English are like, all right, bud, it's fine. Like, never mind. We don't care this much. So they release her just to make him chill out. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. The two just of them kidding. are like this rampaging pirate <laughs> couple that oh, aren't God, a couple. Sorry, sorry, sorry. They're just like, the two of them then go on like this pirate spree for a hot second. Like there's all these accounts of them just like hopping from village to village. And then the English being like, you guys stop, like just fucking chill you guys. So eventually Richard dies. As soon as that happens, Grace takes rock fleet to be her base. Sure. The English keep sending fleets to try and beat her, but because of her um, charisma, like she has a ton of allies. She has Rockfleet is like in a kind of a perfect position. So it's hard for the English to get a leg up when they're attacking her because of the way that Rockfleet is positioned. So they just, there's like four or five times that the English like sent people to go beat Grace and it failed. And so they like kept just coming back being like, yeah, she's still out there. Like, I don't know, man, can't get her. So finally enter, enter Richard number two, who his name is Richard Bingham. So we're just going to call him Bingham because it's easier. He is a new English governor and he is not fucking around. So his, his brother killed 
Grace's oldest son, and then he jailed her youngest son. He offers her a truce at one point. Um, She comes to his headquarters to accept said truce, finds out that it's a trick. He jails her. Um, She gets rescued, but then eventually he has kidnapped one of her sons, and um, eventually he takes control of Rockfleet and her land and all of her resources. So, like he finally was the one that kind of started to put an end to Grace's piracy. But then he didn't expect Grace to be so fucking charismatic. So in, in 1593, Grace Mm -hmm. is like, okay, listen, what about if I just talk to queen Elizabeth straight up, like one-on-one? And he's like, I don't, I don't know about this. This seems like a really terrible idea. And Elizabeth is like, yeah, okay. So they meet. Grace and Queen Elizabeth I meet in person. There are a lot of different accounts about that meeting. Some accounts say that Grace brought a dagger, (laughs) refused to bow, and didn't accept the Queen's offer of a title of Countess because, quote, equals couldn't confer titles upon each other. Uh, Amazing. Like, it's... No. What about no? (laughs) So the Queen eventually is kind of taken with Grace, And so she orders Bingham to release Grace's son from jail and give her all of her shit back. In exchange, Grace would now have to fight English enemies rather than the English. And Grace is like, yeah, okay. So there's a fight. Just right. Just like, just turn it around, like help us out. You can go on doing your thing. But so there's an article that says that Grace agreed and goes back to quote unhindered to her old career. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which I just like picture her leaving this meeting with the queen, like, all fancy with her dagger mm-hmm. and then just being like, all right, guys, let's go loot some shit. Yeah. Mount up. Amazing. So, quote, at the great age of 67, mm. there are records of Grace leading her men in an attack off the Scottish coast. <laughs> She's just like yep. n- never slows down. No. Nope. Which I love. Um, Grace O'Malley. Dies a noblewoman, but like really, she's a pirate queen. Yeah. At home at Rockfleet. And Rockfleet, you can still visit today. It is still standing. Can we please go to Rockfleet? Oh my God, dude. Oh yeah. my God. And that is oh, the man. pretty amazing, if not a little bit quick, story of Grace dude. O'Malley, the pirate queen of Ireland. Heck yes, Grace O'Malley. Right? Isn't that the most hilarious uh, and badass story you've ever heard? Yes. God, I was just researching it and just like laughing the whole time. Like, wow, this broad. There is nothing you can't do if you are incredibly cool and have all the confidence in the world. <laughs> Man, yeah. Like she, and like, like every story was like, yeah, she, uh, People just really liked her. So she was super successful at what she did because she had a ton of allies everywhere because people were just joining her army left, right, and center. That's so awesome. So good. So good. Oh, wow. What a, what a so, lady. Um, to source my shit real quick, it's a real mm-hmm. quick one. Um, most, of, most of that came from an amalgamation of an article on All That's Interesting written by Daniel Rennie mm-hmm. that was titled How Irish Pirate Queen Grace O'Malley Defied Elizabeth I and Conquered a Man's World. Yes, which, she like, did. 
Let's talk about the greatest article title ever. Seriously. Um, and then most of the dates and um, the kind of details came from graceomalley.com. And I kind of can't say enough about that article so or about that website. So it's run by a woman named Ann Chambers. And Grace O'Malley had like kind of fallen off the map in terms of like historical accounts of her until Ann Chambers came around. And she is the biographer for Grace O'Malley and has spent so much time researching this lady and like putting together a timeline of her events and yeah and like is one of the like main people that has made grace o'malley into a name that people know yeah so um she has one of one of the sections of graceomalley.com is just a timeline that goes through and like it's seriously like every four years has an update it's pretty incredible considering that it was from the 1500s seriously that even exists so um, yeah, those are kind of the two. I was just kind of bouncing back and forth and getting the broad scope picture from all that's interesting and then swapping over to the timeline and getting details. So, um, Heck yeah, dude. It's the way you yeah. gotta do it. It was a great time. Ugh. Good job, man. Thanks. Oh, Thanks. She's so cool. So cool. And like all the photos of her are just amazing. I bet. She's a cool lady. I mean, they're all like drawings, but still. But she seems like a badass, so all the drawings are pretty cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Good job. Whew. Okay. Let me Thanks. get into my. I'm all sweaty position. now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like riled up. I don't blame you, Taylor. Um, do you yes. know the story, or have you heard of Suzanne Valadon? No. Okay. Here we go. I'm gonna tell it to you right now. <laughs> I um, can't wait. So Suzanne was born September 23rd, 1865. Um, Her birth name was Marie. It looks like Marie Clementine, but she's French. And so I'm sure it's way more beautiful than that. Yeah. But she goes by Suzanne for most of her life. So that's what I'm going to call her. Her mother was an unmarried laundress named Madeline. um, And she never knew who her father was. So because of the scandal of 1865 and being an unmarried woman with children, her mother took Suzanne and her half-sister to live with their aunt in Montmartre. So, yeah, so she grows up in that whole, like, bohemian atmosphere. She went to school briefly for a little while, but I think was kicked out or something happened. So basically it said that she was educated by the streets. She was described as notably stubborn, independent, and hot-tempered from a young age, yet she was also sensitive, fun-loving, charming, full of energy, and (laughs) well-liked. you got to be well-rounded. Yeah, you know, just like, she's she's all over the place, and I love it. Um, She was definitely her own person. She apparently had Mm -hmm. a very vivid imagination, and she would basically lie, but she would just invent the life that she wanted. And tell people that. So she lied about her age all the time. Or she told people people that her father was a um, a well-known poet. But she also told them that he was a well-known poet from like the 15th century. But she's also like a kid. So you're like, oh, a kiddo. Oh, like how old are we talking? Like eight. Oh, shit. I was picturing like 16. Oh, no. No, she's like a kid kid. 
kid did. Okay. Just making making stuff up, you know. Um, yeah. But so everybody... she's just like Oliver twisting around Paris. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Okay. You know, like you do. Um, mm-hmm. It said that she was super talented at drawing and sketching from about the time that she was eight. And she would draw like on literally whatever was around her, whether it was paper or the walls of their home or the pavement. And if it was with a pencil or a lump of coal that she found, like she was always picking something up and sketching or drawing something cute. Um, From the age of 10, she started working odd jobs to help out the family, which like woof, that is too early. Yeah. Oh man. 10 years old. I, Wow, I can't even. Yeah. Um, but listen to this list of jobs. <laughs> it's it's just incredible. I um, can't wait. Nanny, a milliner's At ten wait. Ten on. years old. Ten years old. <laughs> what do you mean a nanny at ten? Well, I mean she's already running around taking care of herself, so you just hand her a baby and she's she's great. Who the fuck? What kind of adult is like? Hey. Bohemians hey, you and parents are probably drunk. Hey, you ten-year-old, here's here's another child. Well, she was probably like, I'm actually 35, and my father wow. was president of, and that word didn't exist then. I don't know, but she probably lied. No, that's probably exactly what she said. I'm 35, and my father was president. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. Sorry. Uh, so she's a nanny. So she was a nanny. She's a the 10-year-old rest nanny. of the list. Uh, <laughs> she worked in a milliner's workshop. What is that? Uh, milliners are the people that make hats, right? I thought those were hatters. <laughs> I thought they were milliners. To the Google. Know. Hang on. I'll help you out of this jam. A person who makes or sells women's hats. Haha. Oh, my God. Wow. Allison got a local milliner to make her a stunning hat. <laughs> I just read that. <laughs> Okay. So she worked in Alice's milliner's workshop. Cute. Um, a factory that made funeral wreaths. Cool. Casual 10-year-old work. Bummer. Uh, a market selling vegetables. <laughs> uh, a waitress. And then the finally fuck? she joined the circus. Sorry, what do you mean a waitress? <laughs> well, this is from Can like you the age imagine? of 10 to 15. So she might have been oh. 14. Okay, but can you imagine, like, a 10-year-old waitress? <laughs> I'm picturing, like, a 65-year-old diner waitress, but in a 10-year-old body. See, I'm picturing, like, Moose's Tooth having a 10-year-old waitress. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> can I Can I get help running this food? Can I get a follow? Because I literally can't reach the window. Because I'm I can't reach the window. A little I'm tiny dead. child. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's her. Um, so when she was 15, she became friends with two painters who were working on, like, decorating a circus. And so she naturally became an acrobat for that circus. And she fucking loved it. Of course she, she like, did. This is my place. These are my people. Everything's right. And then, unfortunately, some, some said a year, some said six months. Very soon afterwards, she fell from a trapeze and injured her back. Oh, at 15? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, and so it, 
she was like heartbroken. And she said later on that if she hadn't gotten injured, she never would have quit that job. Like she loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously it set her like on a different path. So in 1880, she's 15 years old. She met Michelle Utrillo at uh, Le Chat Noir. Um, Le Chat Noir. That's whatever. <laughs> the one with the poster of the cat. Yeah, with the cat. Yeah. That everybody that has ever been in theater has that poster. Yeah. Um. So she and Michelle have an immediate attraction, and. She said, quote, at a time when barely anyone paid me any attention, he encouraged me, he strengthened me, and he supported me. With Michelle, I spent the best years of my youth. We lived an artistic and bohemian life. Oh, my God. Which hell fucking, yes, but also she's 15. (laughs) Yeah. How old is he? I don't know. I assume roughly the same age, probably a little bit older. Okay. But it doesn't say, like, the 30-year-old Michelle, Lutri- you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they are doing their their thing, living their artistic wow. and bohemian life. Wow. Um, it's all very Moulin Rouge without the sex work. Yeah. You know? Um, so, eventually, she moved away to Paris. But they stayed in touch and were buddies, and their relationship was never exclusive. So when she was 18, she gave birth to a son that she named Maurice, and Michelle signed the birth certificate giving the baby his name and parentage, though everybody pretty much agrees that Michelle wasn't actually the father. Man, that's cool. It's good to have friends, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then her mother, Madeline, took care of Maurice so that Suzanne could keep working. So from like 1880 to 1893 ish. Um, so starting when she's 15 for like the next 10, 13 years, something like that, she was working as a model for painters who frequented the La Panagile. So some of the artists that she was working for at the time are, you know, really unknown people like, Renoir and Toulouse-Lautrec and, you know. Yeah. Just real low-life bummer people. Right. Um, yeah. Which, they're not going anywhere. No. Ugh. Painters. <laughs> Losers. Um, <laughs> which a lot of people think that Renoir is the possible father of Maurice because she was modeling for him at the same time that she was pregnant. And she tends to become lovers with the men that she's modeling for. Interesting. It's a, it's a habit, you know, Mm -hmm. just one of those, one of those things. Um, but she started realizing that she wanted to paint, but she couldn't afford art classes. So all the time that she's modeling for these guys, she was paying attention to the techniques that they were using. And then it said, quote, close friend and mentor Edgar Degas was teaching her drawing and etching techniques. Like he was literally just a mentor. And they were friends through his life until he died. Uh, So during this time, that's when she starts going by Suzanne because Latrec gave her a nickname. Suzanne was the nickname. Spoiler alert. uh, Based on the biblical story of Susanna and the elders, which was basically his way of teasing her because she liked to pose for older painters. And I think it's because she had things for him. And then voila, Suzanne and Toulouse Latrec were lovers. (laughs) Yeah, you know. You know, for a couple years, but it 
you know, fizzled out, died off, whatever it is. She's still friends with all of these people. It's just like, you know, Paris in the late 1800s and Montmartre. I love that. That she's just like bouncing around from famous painter to famous painter. Doing her thing, man. Doing her thing. Yeah. That's so good. It's great. Uh, her Her first dated painting is a self-portrait that she did in pastel in 1883. Um, And then her first showing was at the Salon of the National Society of Fine Arts in 1894, and she was the first woman painter to ever have work admitted there. Wow. Right. So, cool. Um, So cool. So, 1892, she has a brief but intense love affair with a composer named Eric Satie. Satie? Probably something beautiful in French. Okay. Um, But it ended because she refused to commit, and she was also having an affair with a stockbroker, and she refused to break that off. Um, Amazing. So Eric left, and she married the stockbroker. I mean, Uh, honestly, though, like, smart. Yeah. You know, if you're going to... If Fatums and the other one's cool with it, marry the one that's cool with it. Honestly. Seriously. And he's a stockbroker. Right, not like some painter... Well, that one was a composer, but, you know. Oh, well. Same, same. Okay. <laughs> does he paint Although, music or does he paint portraits, you know? Does he paint music? Reagan, you've never said anything more beautiful. Thank you. Um, Because I've been I've been into this, like, world of art in my brain. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's because I've been into this box wine. <laughs> it's because I've been, like, digging into this box no, I've just been like looking at all these paintings and reading about this like whole bohemian lifestyle. And I'm just like, it's making me think about Jillian. And I'm all like, yes, let's oh, God. live our best lives. Man, let's talk about Jillian and how she should be everybody's babe of the week all I the time. find reasons to bring her up in conversation and tell stories about her because it is, she's one of the coolest people in the universe. And every time I hang out with her, it somehow turns into one of the craziest experiences of my life, but in the most awesome, wonderful way. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so she marries a stockbroker. <laughs> she marries the stockbroker. His name is Paul. Yeah. So okay. in 1896, she marries Paul. Okay. And he's super wealthy. So she and the whole family move into his mansion and it's north of Paris. I think it was in the countryside somewhere. Okay. Um, and then she starts painting full time. For the whole, like, 13 years that they're married. So then she begins to publish. She begins to sell prints and etchings. And that's when she kind of transitioned. And she focused mainly on female nudes. So the scandal of it all was that she was painting female bodies from the female perspective. And all the women were doing everyday things, like bathing. But they weren't, like, idealized, sexual, feminine women they were feminine women but like yeah the sexual depictions of women her representations were all like truthful can you imagine i want to cry i love that so much it was the best and everybody was flipping out because they were like how can she be so casual about about female bodies and it was like because they're people and also dudes have been being so casual about female bodies forever yeah, everybody was just like, well, how are they not all having sex? It's like, because they're people that are 
people with bodies? Because sometimes you like to just walk around your apartment butt-ass naked. Sometimes okay? you do. Sometimes you like to fucking open a jar of pickles butt-ass naked. Get over it. Get over it. It's the most natural thing. Ugh. Anyway. Mm. So everybody's okay. freaking out. Um, okay, so by this point, her son is a young man, and he struggled a lot with anger, depression, and alcoholism. So a doctor recommended that he start painting as therapy. And initially he didn't want to, but once he started, they all realized he was really, really good. Um, spoiler I really alert. like that a doctor in the 1800s suggested painting as therapy. I like that a lot. I do too. And later he became a super successful landscape artist. So like, boom, boom, boom. Who, who was he? Does, is he famous? Maurice Otrillo is his name. Wow. I love yeah. that. I know. Um, so in 1909, Maurice becomes friends with an artist named Andre. It's, it's spelled utter. I'm sure it's like Ute or something. Mm-hmm. Ute. Let's say Ute. Sure. Okay. Um, and Ute was three years younger than Maurice. So naturally, Suzanne became lovers with Ute. Sure. Casual. Uh, she had grown Wait, tired. Wait, hang on. But this is Maurice's friend. Yes. Who's three years younger than him. Man. Yeah. Poor Maurice. That must have been awkward as fuck. I don't think it was. <laughs> no? To have your mom bone in your friend? I think now it would be really uncomfortable. But I think at the oh, time but then... it was like, this is my mom. Right. And she's like some bohemian, beautiful, yeah. hippie lady. So and he's raised in this world. I think he was just like, sure. He's just like, yeah, this is just Tuesday. Yep. Okay. Um, but she had become bored living this like rich lifestyle in the country. So she moves herself, her son, her mother with, quote, dogs, cats and a goat. Oh and they moved into a tiny apar- apartment back in Montmartre. And she divorced Paul. Oh, my God. I guess she was like, I'm done with this. So she saw her love with Ute as like, she said, quote, a renewal of her life. Um, And so then she experiences like an explosion of creativity. She is focusing now on sexual works and celebrating the male body. And everybody freaks out again. Wait, fun. So then she's like naturally celebrating the female body and then like now focusing on celebrating the male body, too. So she's just like painting a bunch of regular ass people having sex. Well, no. Oh. <laughs> I mean, some of them, yes. But like the female body ones are just like them doing normal things. And then the oh. male body ones are more of a sexual. Gotcha. Way. Oh, my God. That's even better. Right. Um, one of my favorite quotes from one of the articles was there's a strong sense in all of Suzanne's work that she seeks to demystify sex and to present passion and libido as common experiences shared by all women are presented as active equals also in possession of the hungry gaze. Wow. Imagine. Oh my God. So this lady is Mm -hmm. taking women and making them do regular ass shit in her paintings Meanwhile, yep. taking dudes and sexualizing them. Yes. Oh, my God. In the early 1900s. And oh, my God. Freaking out. I know. Also, one of the paintings, because I there's a lot of, like, 
because she was a model for so long, there are so many paintings of her. And one of them was hanging in the uh, Museum of Fine Art in Houston. Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> what? <laughs> so you have seen her and probably imitated the picture. Oh, my God. Do you still have those photos? Are you going to post some, some of those? I'm going to I'm going to try. OK, so for anybody who is still listening, this is going to be a long one, but a good one. I don't know how much of this I'm going to cut out because I don't I don't even know what it's start so- to finish. This has been a great time. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Reagan used to live in Houston and I went to visit her one time and we went to the Museum of Modern Art and I fine art. Sorry, not modern art. We went to the Museum of Fine Art and went around like assholes and imitated all of the paintings <laughs> to the point that we posted one and the museum of fine art in Houston reached out to us and was like, Hey, this is hilarious. Can we use this in our advertising? We were like, you betcha. You absolutely fucking can. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> uh, I hope I can find that photo specifically. Cause even though it's not her in the background, I don't remember what it was, but, uh, God, truly one of my finer moments. Wow. Reagan. Yeah. This yeah. is the best, like, bring it on home moment I've ever had in my Isn't life. That amazing. I saw that this morning <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. <sighs> okay. Sorry. Back to it. So, uh, 1914. Uh, Suzanne and Ute get married and then he immediately goes off to fight in World War One. Um, when he came back, it's okay. He came, he comes back. Okay. So good news. He comes home. Good news. He comes home. When he comes back, he becomes the manager for her and Maurice, which is why I think that they were cool. Mm. Okay. Um, and again, when he comes back, her confidence and her productivity explode. And so she produces a crap ton of paintings and landscapes and nudes and portraits and still lifes. And she's just like busting out work because she's so inspired again. Um, oh, all the while. Because her guy came back from war. Because her guy came back from war. Oh and she my loved God. Him. My heart. I know. Um, and all the while this is happening, she is helping Maurice deal with his mental health, um, which is something he battled his entire life. And then she's also grieving the deaths of Degas and Renoir. And so that's a bummer. Wow. Um, but she continued to show, she continued to print and sell. And though her paintings were in high demand, they never earned as much as Maurice's. But the peak of her fame was like 1920s-ish. So through the years, her relationship with Utea began to, begins to deteriorate um, due to jealousy. But I don't know jealousy from who towards who. I don't know. Just says jealousy. Okay. Who knows? Um, though they had to stay together for a while because he was her manager. They had signed a deal, I think for like a million francs. I should have written it down, but they signed a huge financial deal that was dependent on them working together to produce a certain amount of works. So they stayed together for quite a million francs in 1920s money. It was a lot of money. Damn. Okay. Um, So as she aged, her paintings continued to show more and more honesty in women's bodies and age. Um, 
And then after Maurice married and left, she separated from Ute and she painted more landscapes and still life. Um, her health continued to deteriorate. And on the morning of April 7th, 1938, she was painting flowers and she had a stroke and died. Oh my God. Um, I know. I know. Oh my God. By the time of her death, Suzanne had made around 300 drawings, over 450 oil paintings, and more than 30 etchings. And she had 19 exhibitions just between 1913 and 1932. Wow. Yeah. Um, There's a paper written by a woman named Janet Burns called Looking as Women, the Paintings of Suzanne Valadon, Paula Motorshawn Becker, and Frida Kahlo that was published in 1992. And it has an incredible quote. It's a little bit long, but it's amazing. Um, quote, given the bias of Western culture to fetishizing the female body, the nude is a difficult genre for women artists. It is enshrined as an icon of culture that epitomizes and objectifies female sexuality. Valadon was one of a handful of pioneering female artists who succeeding who succeeded in challenging the traditional male voyeuristic gaze. Boom. 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 Um, she influenced generations, like all of the female artists and inspired them to depict female bodies truthfully, including wrinkles, rolls, sagginess Mm. all of the imperfections as well as depicting women as full-fledged people who enjoy sex and can take joy in the male body just as uh, she's just yeah yeah, she was a huge and still is a huge feminist icon for artists I bet her and Mary Wollstonecraft would have gotten along really well dude (laughs) they would have been besties they would have had a great time together yeah yeah Shit. so that's uh that's the really awesome bohemian story of suzanne valadon wow feminist painter what up and and brief trapeze artist <laughs> wow good work hey dude this was a really fun week this was a great week. Holy yeah. shit. It's going to be like wow. two hours long, but whatever. This was a great time. Actually, though, like un- unedited, we're at an hour and five. So. Oh, okay. We're not, we're not doing too bad. It's not bad. Um, to source my shit. Uh, Wikipedia, something called Artnet. Um, the National Museum of Women in the Arts was a great article. I bet. And my deep dive article was on theartstory.org where it gives you like the full background of the painters and stuff. It's really, really cool. Wow. And they were the ones that had paintings alongside the story. So you could kind of watch it unfold. Wow. Cool. Um, which there are some portraits of her by the famous artists that I'm going to post. One of them is called Suzanne braiding. It's by Renoir in 1885 and it's just her braiding her hair and it's gorgeous. Oh my God. Um, and then there's one by Toulouse Lautrec in 1889 called the hangover. And it's her sitting at a table in a bar with a bottle in front of her. And she has that look on her face that we've all had. Yeah. That hangover look. The hangover look. It's the most 
like, oh, I feel that. Relatable. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'll make sure and post those too, in addition to a couple other ones. But yeah, that's my, uh, that's my shit. Wow. That was great. Right? I've had a grade A time this week. Holy Me shit. too. Oh my God. <laughs> Me too. Wow. It's just, it's been the best. Um, do you want to tell me who your babe of the week is? I do want to tell you who my babe of the week is. Tell me, tell so, me. um, I, I think that I, I've been flip-flopping between two of them, but I think that hands down my babe of the week this week has to be my boss, Haley. Oh, that's she awesome. is the best. She, um, just came back from maternity leave and like, aside from being an amazing boss is just the cutest. Like every day when she leaves, she's like, okay, I'm going to go see my baby. And it's the best part of my day. She's like, yeah, I really like being around you guys, but like my kid's pretty fucking cool. And she's just, yeah, she's the best. Um, and is so understanding that like my migraine is not just a headache and that it is brain fog and that it is, I'm sleepy and that it is, I can't be in a bright room and like just start to finish is amazing. She made the point to tell me this week. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm really going to try and get this, this and this done. And she was like, Hey, none of that has to be done today. So if you don't want to be on the computer, like we can find other stuff for you to do. So don't worry about it. She's just so she's the best. So that's awesome, um, dude. Yeah. Who's your babe of the week? My babe of the week is actually some babes of the week. Great. Um, and it is my cast and crew. Oh, because, great. I've so, been meaning to ask you about this. Okay. So, so this I is kind your... of have, to, yeah, I, I kind of have to like explain a tiny bit of what it is for people yeah. listening. So, um, last Christmas was the first time I did this show and I'm doing it again this year because it was so much fun. Um, but basically down on Navy Pier in Chicago, they open up a huge airplane hangar. Um, it's literally the square footage are three football fields. It's wow. I don't think I realized it was that big. It's humongous. There's rides, there's rock climbing walls, there's ice skating rinks. Like they open up this huge area that is decked out for Christmas. The way we describe it to people is like a snow globe exploded. Um, because we're not technically great. like the North Pole, but we're it's it's called Winter Wonder Fest, and so it's a whole like Winter Wonderland. But part of it is they hire actors who are at least comfortable with improvising. I feel like I'm definitely on the lower end of the skill range because a lot of these people are some of the funniest improvisers I've ever worked with. Um, but they hire actors to just kind of like we have a character, we know how we relate to each other, and then we just go around and interact with kids and people and families and whoever so that they get this full winter experience. Um, and so our, our wonderful director is named Jake and he has our back in every situation, which was awesome. And though he's done this for years and we all have a character that has been played by someone in previous years, he doesn't let anybody play the same character two years in a row. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. I thought you were playing the same person that you played last year. No, everybody is somebody different. 
Wow, that's really cool. So there are people that have done it for like four or five years and they've always been a different character. Um, and there's a basic character description of everybody, but through the rehearsal process, he kind of lets us create who we want our person to be. And he lets us create our own character. Um, and he'll kind of guide us, but mostly it's up to us and we get to be whoever we want. Um, and so we had the discussion the other day in rehearsal. I think it was yesterday. Um, we were all sitting down cause today was soft opening and tomorrow is opening. And so it was our last rehearsal as a group. And there's like 35 of us. Um, how long do you guys rehearse for? A few weeks, but it's like, he'll do, he'll split us off into groups. And so there's only like two or three days that all of us are together. Mm. Um, I only had like four days of rehearsal this year because my availability has been insane. But anyway, um, we all sat down as a group and we were kind of just discussing like last minute things that he needed to go over. Like, what do you do if a kid is lost and what to do in emergency? You know, like that kind of like, okay, we're done with rehearsal. Here's what you need to know going into this job. Yeah. Um, and we have a few more non-binary members of the cast than we have in previous years. And so he went around to each non-binary member and was like, what gender would you like your character to be referred to as? Like, what gender do you feel your character is? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, most of the actors chose they as the pronoun. They were like, you know, I really feel like this uh, character is also non-binary. And, you know, we went through the whole thing and it was great. And then one of the actors is like, you know, just kind of like hemming and hawing and kicking it around. And they were like, honestly, I really feel like this character is a male and has male energy. But I know that that's difficult. And especially with kids and started to kind of justify why they were not choosing male as the character's gender mm -hmm. and immediately every single member of the cast and crew was like, no, it's not difficult. It's not too hard. Mm -hmm. If that character is male, that character is male. The end. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah. it's so easy. And the look on their face was so wonderful. And so oh, like everybody in God. the cast came together was like, no, you, like, you know, this character better than all of us do. Yeah. If he's male, he's male. Great. Right. And it doesn't make any difference one way or the other. Who cares? Yeah. It was really fun. So they're all my babes of the week. And I'm really excited to spend the next few weeks making up dumb games and improvising wonderful nonsense with them. That sounds great. It's a good time. If you're in the Chicagoland area, come down to Winter Wonderfest and pop by town and see if I'm bebopping around. I've never heard you say a cuter sentence. <laughs> What a wonderful three-hour episode we've just had. Wow. <laughs> what an incredible week-long episode to get us to the next <laughs> recording. So we're going to hang up and immediately start recording next week? Great, great, great. Sure. Hope you have next week's babe ready. Oh, also, um, we forgot to do it last week, but make sure you follow us and subscribe to us. Oh, that would be great. And leave I us would, a review if you I want to. I would enjoy to. that. That would be nice. We like you, and if you're listening to us, hopefully you like us, unless you're hate listening to us, in which case, 
Thanks. Thanks for sticking it out to the end of an we episode. We so appreciate you. I really appreciate yeah, it. Good work. Good work. Email us your um, critiques and your ideas. And your babes. And your babes. And your you can moms find and us. your cool family stories and all the things. Just email us everything. We're at babetownpod at pretty much everything you can think of. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Gmail. Yep. That's us. We're wherever you find your podcast. We're fishing on Stitcher. Good yeah, news. A few weeks um, late, it's fine. It's fine. We've been saying we were on Stitcher, but we weren't. But now we are. So it now we're not good. lying to you. And yeah. We love you guys. Yeah. This is great. This is great. I hope you have a great week. I hope you have a great week. Have a wonderful Friendsgiving. Say hi to everybody for me. I love this. I love you. I'm glad that our really long phone call was also our podcast episode. Me too. It was a great time. It's convenient when that happens. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right. Snuggle that pup for me. Go pet your cat or something. Yeah, I'll go harass him. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Love you, dude. Bye. Bye.